This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. Has the idea of heaven ever sounded a little bit boring to you? Our culture has the notorious image of everyone sitting around in the clouds holding harps and doing, well, nothing, just sitting. It's pretty stagnant, sluggish scenario with no movement, no growth, no life. Thankfully, that type of image should be wiped right out of our cultural imagination if we can learn from Dante's poetry, since he provides ample evidence to the contrary when it comes to what we can expect from an eternity in heaven. Most importantly, he shows us that heaven is not a place of stagnation and torpor. Rather, Heaven is a place of unbounded growth. It's dynamic. It's lively. It's anything but static. And this view of paradise as a place for souls to continue to develop and mature is one important takeaway from our Canto 14 here in Dante's Paradise. As the poet has been rising through the various stages of heavenly ascent, his climb has arrived at a bit of a holding pattern here at the fourth level, that is, at the level of the sun. Recall that in Dante's medieval conception of the heavenly spheres, there were seven planetary bodies, which included, of course, the moon and the sun in its ranks. Dante places the sun in the precise midpoint of his journey through the heavens, and it feels appropriate that at this halfway point, the poem takes a little time before mounting up higher to the upper three planets on its course toward the Empyrean. Not only is such a pause right in terms of narrative sequence, but it also fits with the metaphorical implications of the sun, which presents a sphere of radiance and illumination, just the place where one would expect to encounter the church's numerous saintly intellectuals. And since Dante's modus operandi throughout the comedy has been to learn through discussion with the various souls he encounters, it makes sense that he would spend a significant amount of time learning from the plentiful array of wise souls he encounters here in heaven's fourth sphere. We've already overheard in Cantos 10 through 13 his conversations with folks like Thomas Aquinas and St. Bonaventure. But here in the final canto that takes place in the sun's ring, Dante encounters the wisest man to have ever lived, Israel's famous King Solomon, who was granted wisdom beyond any other mortal as a gift from God. The topic of heavenly growth emerges then when Dante's curiosity is piqued by reflecting upon the piercing luminosity of what he is seeing as he flies upward in his heavenly journey. He is blinded by the light, if you will, and so his question, which he's too shy to ask, and so Beatrice must ask it for him, is this. Why won't the brilliant light make you feel pain once you receive your resurrected body? Of course, Dante is working here with the traditional Christian doctrine of the resurrection which holds that whereas every soul he encounters on his journey at present, that is, during the middle of time, is disembodied, when time comes to an end with the return of Christ, there will be a universal resurrection in which every soul will receive back its body. Dante wonders whether such resurrected bodies will be able to handle the glorious vision of light which the disembodied souls are currently able to endure. 
It's in response to this question that the poet first encounters the sage Solomon. Amid a teaching on the church's doctrine of resurrection, Solomon offers the following insightful wisdom about how heaven will be experienced by each soul. I'm going to read here a bit from Canto 14. Solomon says, In the feast of paradise, for the length of eternity, our love will fold us in the vestment of these rays. They blaze according to the ardor of that love, ardor from vision, vision as wide and deep as grace abounding far above our worth allows. When blessed and glorified, the flesh is robed about us once again, we shall be lovelier for being whole. Whence this gift of illuminating grace granted us by the highest good shall grow. Light that disposes us to see his face, and in that light then must our vision grow. Grow then the ardent love it sets aflame, wherein the radiance of the flesh shall grow. Notice the fourfold growth mentioned in this beautiful passage. At the time when the saints receive their resurrected bodies, first, God's illuminating grace grows. Then next, our vision grows to meet that light, after which our love grows in response to what it is seeing, which finally results in the growth of the glorious sheen of our very bodies. Growth in grace, growth in vision, growth in love, growth in radiance. There's nothing static about it. Heaven is a place for growth. By connecting growth in love to growth in vision, Dante is tapping into a rich stream of biblical tradition that invites the saints to taste and see that the Lord is good. But the sight which we as humans require if we are to taste the goodness of God is not something that comes automatically. Rather, as Dante teaches us, it's a divine gift. It requires the healing touch of the Savior to peel away the scales from off our blind eyes, thereby expanding our vision to be able to catch a glimpse of the goodness that is ever beyond and above us. Physically, our vision is ever diminishing throughout our lives, but intellectually, our vision should be ever increasing. As the philosopher Plato has shown us, until we are led out of our blindness, we will continue to be satisfied by lesser imitations of the good. But heaven is the place where our vision is expanded. Remember the line, as wide and deep as grace abounding. And in those paradisal heights, seeing is knowing. And what's more, seeing is loving. For though now we see only dimly, as through a mirror, then we shall see face to face, and we shall know fully, even as we are fully known, as the Apostle Paul tells us. Ultimately, Solomon's answer to Dante's original question is fairly simple. The resurrected bodies of the saints in heaven will not be troubled with pain by the radiance of heavenly vision, since these new bodies will be strong enough to bear all things that bring us delight. But on the way to reaching this answer, the wise king offers this dynamic depiction of heavenly growth, which garners for us an expansive vision for the kind of ever-expanding experience of God's goodness that awaits the saints in heaven for all eternity, world without end. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. 
continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Torrey Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.